coming to minister to us on this incredible mission Sunday as we're lifting our eyes to the nations of the world once more. From Cedar Lake Church in Biloxi, Mississippi, my younger brother Murphy. My younger brother Murphy is in the house with his entire family. I'm so fired up today. You're about to receive a word that's going to change your life. Pastor Murphy and Twala have been pastoring Cedar, Cedar Lake Church for 22 years. And in August of 2020, Pastor Murphy earned his PhD in missiology. What an honor to have Pastor Murphy bring the word of the Lord to us today. Would you give my younger brother a Nairobi Lighthouse Church welcome today? Hallelujah. Come on, give Jesus a bigger praise. Will you do that today? Hallelujah. Excited to be here with you at Nairobi Lighthouse Church. God is so good. And uh, we are just so excited to be with you and to be a part of what's happening here, to greet all of you. I just wish you'd get a little more excited about Jesus. Man, what an awesome, awesome time of worship. You guys don't know what you have here. Thank God for the ministry and, and uh, of what's going on here at worship and beautiful with the choir and musicians and so great to be here with all of you. Pastor Don and Pastor Amy, I honor them and uh, the ministry that, that uh, they, are, they are, have been doing here in Kenya now 50 years. Come on, somebody. That's a faithful record of ministry. Amen. And uh, just excited about that and so blessed, the influence that we, they have had on my life and what we've been able to do as a church to, to bless you. I want you guys to know, man, you guys have an incredible team around here. You guys are an awesome, Nairobi Lighthouse is an awesome church. I brag on you all over the place. Amen. I do. I tell you. And I talk to my church about you anywhere I go in the world. I talk about you and the blessing and everything that God is doing here. And man, I am so pumped. It's so great also to, uh, to see uh, Rebecca and Alan and Pastor Alan, Pastor uh, Fito is around here somewhere. I saw him. He's still excited about Jesus. I know we'll see Anna later, but man, what a what an awesome. I bring you greetings from Cedar Lake Church and Biloxi, Mississippi. We're all part of the same kingdom. And uh, I tell you, my whole congregation would have loved to be here with you today. Uh, and uh, just to see what God is doing here in Nairobi. God is moving, but not only here in Nairobi, He's moving around the world. And I am super excited to be with you in the year of breakthrough. Hey, let's have a breakthrough together. Amen. Let's have a breakthrough together. We believe that walls are going to come down. I'm so excited to be here on Mission Sunday to see this report, not only in Goa, India, but I'm telling you what, when I started seeing outreach to northern India, Come on, people, when you pray for the unreached world and, and you just weep for those parts of the world and you see pastors with invitations to go to northern India, you don't know the, the international impact that is having. How incredible, as well as Madagascar and South Sudan, Zambia, come on, somebody, South Africa, 
God's moving, and, and uh, you've got 25 nations in your sight. They might as well give up because Jesus is on his way, amen. And so our heartbeats are very similar as Cedar Lake is also engaged with more than 40 nations of the world and support missionaries, and we're increasing our support to the unreached world, and, and we're super, super, super excited about that. But I want to talk to you today just for a few minutes on the subject of holy passion. And I just want to talk to you about this idea that I think every believer needs to get infected with a holy, I'm going to call it apostolic passion. Something that grips us about the lost of the world that remain, especially those that have no access to the gospel. And I want to stand in front of the church today and I want to publicly thank my brother, Don, for taking me to Pate Island when I was a teenager. The guy that we went with snored like a freight train. I don't think I slept the whole time in that tent. We actually tried to move our cot out onto the airstrip. But that planted a seed in my heart for the unreached world. And I want to talk to you about the passion that we ought to have. You know, I'm from the land of Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Anybody heard of those guys? Larry Bird, who's amazing basketball player amazing because he's great and he's white can I get an amen from anybody these guys have something in their in their in their DNA they have something in their makeup they not only want to beat you in the finals or in the Super Bowl the Tom Brady's of the world they want to beat you in every practice They've got something about them that is just passionate. I've also heard of this guy named Kipchoge. Anybody heard of him? That dude will leave you in the dust, my friend. He made a statement not long ago. He said, athletics is not so much about the legs. It's about the heart and mind. And I've run a few triathlons. I cannot imagine running a marathon in less than two hours. Only a Kenyan. Can I get an amen on that? But I love his statement. It's more about the heart and mind. There's something within them that is is a passion, that is a drive. They're not just satisfied to do what the next person is doing or even do something that's going to win them in the moment. They've got a drive to be the best. They've got a passion inside of them that goes beyond the normal. It gets them out of bed earlier than everybody else. It keeps them in practice when everybody else has gone home. There's something in them that is passionate, that is driving them. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if we're going to fulfill the Great Commission in our lifetime or soon afterward, it's going to require that every believer of the Lord Jesus Christ pick up that kind of passion in their life, holy passion to see the world reach for the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we're going to go to Mark chapter 11. We're going to look at just a few uh, scriptures here from verses 12 to verse 17 where we see this kind of zeal and this kind of passion in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. As a matter of fact, there's not another place in Scripture where we see Jesus so passionate. And I want you to see the context of it today as we begin reading Mark 11, 
verse 12, it says, The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit of you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for a few nations? Is that what it says? What does it say? All nations, but you have made it into a den of robbers. Look at the holy boldness and the passion of Jesus. Look how focused that he is. Scholars believe that the buying and selling that was going on was going on in the court of the Gentiles. And if you know anything about the way the temple was established, there was the Holy of Holies. And then just outside of that was the court where the men would come and worship. And then the next farthest out from the holy place and the Holy of Holies was the court of the women where the women could come and worship. And then farthest out from the Holy of Holies was the court of the Gentiles. But in the court of the Gentiles, Gentiles. You did not have to be a Jew. You couldn't cross into the court of the women or the court of the men unless you were a Jew. But in the court of the Gentiles, you could be Roman. You could be a Cretan. You could be from any area around there, a Syrian. You could be of any descent and you could go and try to find Jehovah God. You could go and try to become a proselyte and try to, to learn how to worship God. This was the place that had been set aside for the nations. Jesus Christ is on his way to shed his blood on Calvary for the sake of all mankind. His face is set toward that cross. He is going there. This is the week of his passion. Soon he will be hanging on that cross and dying. And he knows that his time has come. And when he enters the court of the Gentiles, where they're supposed to be praying for the nations, his missionary heart exploded. And he said, I cannot handle this. And he began to drive them out. One translation tells us he turned cords into whips. And he began to drive them out of there. He turned tables over. I mean, this was visceral. This was real. You could see this. This was not the, the precious, sweet Lord of our Savior who is embracing us right now. No, this is a holy, passionate, focused person who has an apostolic mission. And he is saying with his actions, right here. Anything that gets in the way of the gospel, I'm going to run it over. Anything that gets in the way of this message, there is nothing that can get in the pathway of this message going to the nations. It is the most important thing. And Jesus' missionary heart explodes and he begins to drive them out from that temple. He had something that my friend Dick Brogdon calls apostolic nasty. Nothing gets in the way of the nations. Later, he's going to stand in Caesarea Philippi. I've been there. What is in Caesarea Philippi is what is called the gates of hell. And it is a 
side of a mountain that just goes straight up and there's a cave in that mountain where they used to cast the aborted babies and the killed babies that they sacrificed to their gods. At one time in Caesarea Philippi, it was illegal to walk down the street clothed. You had to walk down the street completely naked. It was such an ungodly place. That's where Jesus chose to stand and say to his disciples, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is the place that Jesus made that decision. This is also the place that Simon Peter had a great moment with Jesus because Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Oh, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And then he asked the most important question in the Bible, who do you say I am? And I want to say to all of you here today, this might be your first time at NLC. The greatest question you'll ever answer in your life is, who do you say Jesus is? And I got news for you today. He's the son of God, savior, healer, deliverer, our hope, our strength, our salvation. And Peter stood up that day and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, he got the gold star in class that day. He was the number one in class that day. Oh, blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father who is in heaven. Listen, you you get the award today, uh, Peter, in class, because you're the one disciple that heard from God God and that heard this. And just a few minutes later, Peter went from hero to zero. Because Jesus then said to his disciples, in order for this to happen, in order for the gospel to go to the nations, in order for Revelation 5 to come to pass, that every nation, tribe, tongue, and language will stand before the throne one day and worship, in order for that to happen, the Son of Man is going to be handed into the hands of sinful men, and they're going to crucify him on a cross. And Simon Peter said, not so, Lord. It won't happen to you. And this mild, meek Jesus This sweet, precious Jesus looked at the disciples as though to take them in and then turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not savor the things of God. What was Jesus doing? Anything that gets in the way of the gospel gets run over. Even his closest friend. Come on, somebody. Even the leader of the disciples. Jesus says, get behind me. You don't understand what you're saying, Peter. What an incredible moment that was. You know, Jesus wasn't the only one that had apostolic, nasty, holy passion. Paul had it too. Paul is getting ready for the missionary journey, and Barnabas wants to take John Mark with him. And they began to argue about it, so much so that they had to split their ways and go their separate ways because Paul said, John Mark deserted me before. Anything that gets in the way of the gospel, I can't have it. Peter was beginning to compromise at one point on the law and and with the Gentiles. And Paul goes up to Peter, who's the leader of the disciples, and, and he confronts him to his face. Anything that got in the way of the gospel... Paul ran it over. And I believe if we're going to see the progress in accompanying the Great Commission, we have to get some of this in our hearts as well. I, I, since I've been studying this for 10 years, I studied this 
all of these concepts. And when I began studying it, I would go to conferences. Uh, Pastor Don, somebody would say, oh, I think we can fulfill the Great Commission in our, life, in our lifetime. And everybody would jump and laugh and say, yes, I believe we can. And they would clap. Now I hear that with some different ears because I understand that the people that are remaining that need to hear the gospel are in the hard places of the world. They're the hard ones to reach. After years and years and years of going into different areas of the world, to this day, right now, 86% of all Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus do not know a single Christian. And so the reality is, is that what is happening is, is that we've been involved in a lot of wonderful things and a lot of great things. But yet we have got to get more of the holy apostolic passion in our hearts. You see, when Jesus cleared out the temple that day, he was on his way to, to, to clear the temple out. He cursed the fig tree. And some scholars believe that on that day, Jesus was making a theological statement. His statement was, the fig tree produced no fruit. It is cursed and will no longer have its purpose. And now the temple has lost its purpose of reaching the nations. And so from then on, the ministry of the temple was shut down. Now we are the temple of the living God. But I got a question for you today. If we become unfruitful in our work for God, why should not Jesus shut us down? If we become unfruitful and unproductive, if we say, well, you know, we're just going to kind of keep doing things the way we've always done them. And I know today I'm preaching to the choir because I'm talking to a church that already has apostolic vision. And so today, I just want to encourage you in it. And I not only want to encourage you as a church, I want to encourage you as a person to ask yourself this question. What in my life is getting in the way of me having holy apostolic passion? Can I just preach for a minute the way I would if I was in Biloxi today? What is on your Netflix viewing list that is making your heart get cold toward Jesus? What friends are you hanging around with that are pulling you away from the purpose and the calling to be a part of this movement to reach the world for the Lord Jesus Christ? What is getting, what is getting in the way in your own heart and your own life? Because I'm going to tell you what, just as we saw with Jesus and as we saw with Paul, what, where, where apostolic passion begins, where holy passion begins is with us as individuals. It doesn't just happen because a church gets excited about reaching the world. It happens because there are people in the congregation who say, we have a vision, come on, to do something more with our life than just to survive or just to be successful what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul I don't know about you but I want to be close to the heart of God I want to be close to what God is doing as a matter of fact listen I just stopped asking God to bless what I'm doing and I just started finding out what God is doing and I start doing that and I have entered into his blessing and I want to say to you there are business people here today you want God to prosper your business get it get 
busy doing what's on the heart of God. Don't start asking God to bless you. You can do that. That's okay. But if you really want to find the success that God has for you, figure out what he's doing. And I tell you right now, he's got a big heart for those who have little or no access to the gospel. He's got a big heart for those who need Jesus, not only around the world, but right here in the city of Nairobi. The, the people that need Jesus are flooding into this place all the time. And you've got a mission right here and you've got a mission around the world. And it means, God means for us to have holy passion within us. So how do we get it? I want to talk to you about three things today. Three things that are important. A friend of mine says, every great message has three points. If it's really from God, they all start with the same letter. Last week, I preached two points. Our media person texted or emailed me and said, Pastor, I don't think I got all your notes. There are only two points. I said, believe it or not, Cheryl, I'm only preaching two points today. I had to go revive her off the floor. How do we get this holy passion? Number one, intercession. Pray. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 to 38, when he saw the crowds, this is Jesus he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. When Jesus is looking at the crowds, he's having compassion on them. The first thing he tells his disciples to do is pray. We know in Matthew's account, as he gives us the, the story of the life of Jesus at the end in Matthew chapter 28, he's going to tell us that after Jesus had risen from the dead, he came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. But I want you to notice that several chapters before he told them to go, he told them to pray. Why did he tell them to pray? Because you don't want to go into the field of God until you have the heart of God. One thing I know, I've been to some NLC prayer meetings and people around here know how to pray. If I were, in fact, I have some of the lowest moments in my life asked your church to pray. After Hurricane Katrina had come through Biloxi, it was, the, it was a hundred-year storm. It was a Category 5 hurricane, which meant that there were 175-mile-an-hour winds. And when a hurricane hits the coast, it has the eye, and then everything east of the eye is what they call the bad side of the storm because that is what gets the brunt of the storm because it's rotating in a way that you're going to get the first and the worst winds. And we were on the east side, and everybody knew about New Orleans because it flooded, but not many people knew about Biloxi, even though we were on the worst side of the storm. And after that, that hurricane hit, I remember 
that we had no power. The, the roof, the back of our roof was out. There were, there were a lot of issues there. We had 50 people in our church that lost everything. 50 families lost everything they had. And I remember I was at a friend's house because they had set up a room where we could sleep. And all of our families were sleeping in an upstairs room because they had set it up where we could have air conditioning. Now, you can take away a lot of things from an American in the South, but don't take our air conditioning. We will fight you for our air conditioning. We will go without fried chicken, but we will not go without our air conditioning. And so we were in that room all asleep, and they came and woke me, and they said, Pastor, you got a call. It was 3 a.m. And I managed to wake up and wipe the sleep from my eyes and go downstairs so I wouldn't disturb anybody. And I picked up the phone. It was Pastor Don. He said, we're in service here at Nairobi Lighthouse, and we're going to pray for you right now. We were just crawling out from under rubble. We were, our hearts were just, just broken at all that was going on. And to have a congregation like you all the way around the world that would cry out to God on our behalf, it meant so much to me. I didn't even know what I was going to say. That was early Sunday morning because, of course, you're eight hours ahead. I was yet to face our first service. I didn't even know what I was going to say when I got up to speak that morning. And as you begin to pray, suddenly the Holy Spirit dropped into my heart what I was supposed to say when I stood up to that day for my service. And thank God for His grace and thank you. One of your church plants, Life Church of Memphis, sent a team down. I'll never forget it. They came down. They just stayed for a couple of weeks. They worked. They, they came to our services and rejoiced. They gave in the offering. They high-fived everybody as they walked through the door. I mean, we were just dragging the ground, and they were just the joy of the Lord personified. And I'll never forget Pastor John Siebling and his team that, that came down to minister to us. But it was the prayer that made the difference and Jesus says, I want you, as, as you begin this process, I want you to start with prayer because it's going to make the difference. If you want to get close to the heart of God, I have a friend that one time was, was watching a channel on television where they were doing a heart transplant. They were taking out an old heart that had to go and putting a living heart into a human being. And in that process, they have both hearts there and they're undoing one heart and they're attaching the other one and the, the, that you can see inside what's happening and why somebody would want to watch that, I don't know, but my friend was watching it. And they're disconnecting one heart and hooking up the other one. And as they're doing it, they're moving the transplant heart closer to the, the old heart that is beating. The new heart is not beating yet, but as they begin to get ready to do the full transfer, they have to have them beat in sync and so they start the second, the new heart, they begin it beating. And it's beating at a different beat. But then they touch them. All they have to do is touch the skin of the two hearts together. And immediately they begin to beat and sink. And it gives them the ability to finish the operation, take out the old heart, and put the new one in. And my friend that was watching this is an intercessor. And she said to me, Pastor, the Lord spoke to me and said, the closer you get to my heart, the more your heart is going to beat like my heart. Just get your heart up next to Jesus. That's really what you need to say. I don't know how to pray and I don't know which group to pray for. Listen, you just get next to Jesus and let his heart touch your heart. It takes intercession. Number two, it takes inspiration. 
I love Paul's account of his uh, conversion in Acts chapter 26. Verse 12, he says, On one of these journeys I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven. Brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions, we all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I love those words. I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. You see, this is deeper than motivation. Motivation comes from the outside. This is inspiration. Paul is now compelled. He is captivated by the vision and he kept on doing it in spite of opposition. In fact, many, many years later, when he wrote the book of Romans, he said to the people in Rome, he said to the church there, uh, listen, all of those from Illyricum down to Jerusalem, I have nothing left to, to do here. There were still thousands of people that were unsaved, but he had raised up a church there that he said, now this is your task. I am going on to preach to those who have yet to hear the gospel. I've got to go to Spain because there are still those who need to hear the gospel. And what I pray today is I believe that most of you in this room, you're called to be senders. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, th that's really what we have in our church. We have, we have three groups of people in our church. We have senders and we have goers and we have disobedient. And I pray and most of you today in this room are senders. And I, in just a minute, I'm going to give you a, a charge. But I believe there are also maybe some goers. Some people who say, you know what? I'm really not satisfied with being where the church already exists. I've got something in me that says I'm, 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 I'm motivated to preach the gospel where they have not heard. It's on my bucket list, church. My bucket list is to go again to a place where they've not heard the gospel and preach. But I believe there are some that God will send into those places like Paul who said, it is my ambition here is a man who'd written two-thirds or was in the process of writing two-thirds of the books of the New Testament. If anybody at that point in his life could have sat down and said, I think I did enough for the kingdom, it could have been Paul who'd been in prison several times for his faith and had been beaten uh, several times with whips and stoned and left for dead and so much of his history. And yet at this time in his life, he says, I want to go, and now I still have to go on from here. I'm leaving this with you. And I believe God wants to call, He wants to give all of us a holy apostolic passion, but He wants to call some people who want to follow in the footsteps of our brother from Goa and say, I'll go somewhere and plant, but then I'm going to go and I'm going to plant churches in places where it's illegal to serve Jesus, where, where there's no way that these people can hear the gospel unless somebody brings it to them. How shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear unless somebody preaches to them and how shall they preach to them unless they are sent come on Nairobi Lighthouse Church you believe me
There's intercession, there's inspiration, and thirdly, there's mobilization. Does this mean that I believe everybody should leave their home and go to, go to cross-cultural ministry in the unreached areas of the world? No. Because somebody has to hold the ropes. Many people have heard of William Carey, the father of modern missions, but far fewer have heard of his good friend Andrew Fuller. When Carey got ready to go to the mission field, he said to some close friends, I'll go and down into the deep, dark caves where no one has gone before if you'll hold the ropes. And Andrew Fuller made a commitment to do this. And all during the years, as a matter of fact, he held the ropes by serving as president of the Baptist Mission Society from its founding until his death in 1814. He traveled all over the British Isles, raising funds and preaching missions-related sermons. The missionaries in India and other missionary early fields could concentrate on their ministry because they knew that Fuller was advocating for them back home. Let me tell you what he did. He did this. In the, and, and during the time that he did this, he suffered the loss of his first wife and eight of their 11 children. And yet he championed the cause. Often overlooked, but it was the, he was the foundation of doctrinal clarity about missions. And he's the man who held the rope. Let me just challenge you today. If you're a business owner or you're, you're working for something in this, do your best earn all you can, live on as little as you can, and give the rest so the unreached world can hear the gospel. Reach the people around you. If you serve in the children's ministry, teach those children about the unreached world. Maybe God will raise them up to go. Listen, let's all get injected with apostolic DNA today. Let's all get injected with something in our hearts that says, I may not be able to go. Maybe God will call me to go. But even if he doesn't call me to go, I'm going to become the biggest advocate. I'm going to become the supporter in prayer. I'm going to become the supporter in finances. I'm going to become the supporter who's going to reach out to the unreached and help see the world be brought to the the Lord Jesus Christ. If you believe it, let's give Jesus a big praise right now. And let's just honor him in this place. Come on, let's worship him. Let's praise him right now. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to come and just sweep across this great crowd of people today. I want you to open up your heart to the Lord. If you would, just, just kind of hold your hands out to the Lord right now, just in a, in a posture of receiving. And let's just begin to ask the Lord. Lord, in the name of Jesus, begin to put in my heart and in my life a holy passion. Oh God, I'll go, I'll send whatever it is that you've called me to do. Lord, in this hour, in this moment, you're raising up the church. You are raising up godly men and women who have a call from heaven above to do something greater than just exist, than even just to survive or even to thrive. Lord, you have given us purpose. Lord, you've called us into your kingdom for such a time as this. And Lord, Lord, we invite the Holy Spirit right now to begin to stir us afresh. If you want that holy passion in your life today, I want you to lift up both hands to the Lord right now and begin to surrender in an even greater way to the Lord. Let's begin to open our hearts and our minds and our lives. Lord, maybe you want me to go. Maybe you want me to hold the rope. But Lord, whatever it is, I want to have a new passion. Holy Ghost, give me a new passion in my prayer life. Holy Ghost, speak 
speak to me concerning the world that is around me, my neighbor that needs Jesus across the street and around the world, all those that are in need of the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you'll put a greater burden for souls on this church than it's ever had. And that Father Nairobi Lighthouse will continue to expand to all 25 nations. Let the breakthrough that they're having not only be in Nairobi, but let it be around the world in Sudan and South Africa and Central Africa. That Lord, you raise up churches that are planted for the kingdom of God, that Jesus Christ might be glorified and that the word of God might go forth with power and might throughout this globe as you've called us to in this day. In Jesus' awesome name. Come on, let's give him the praise. Let's give him the glory if you believe it. Come on, let's honor him today. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. God, we appreciate him right now. Holy passion. I pray that we are going out full today. I pray something has been stirred within you to rise up and to do something in your lifetime for the kingdom of God. It's time for us to do the most for God. It's time for us and I believe that. Have a wonderful week. Come on, go out and do something amazing for Jesus. God bless you and see you next week.